eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Other th- there's other things I want to get to about the game that we haven't touched on okay. yet. But All right, so no, 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 I'll table that and let's go to you. So there's a few things um, just that I noted. Um, first of all, Montgomery said Marshawn's game's at 85% and that he thinks he's got a higher level, which we can see and we know he does have a higher level, but he did reference the injury and the coming back from the injury as the reason or part of the reason why Marshawn isn't a hundred per- playing to his full potential. Um, so I thought it was interesting that he said Marshawn was at 85%. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. I mean, it, it checks out like, especially we've talked about it before, but like, especially as five on five production has, has been down that that top lines five on five production has been down. Um, so yeah, like obviously, you know, when he's on the power play, he's got more space. He could, he's still producing. And I, I don't think his five on five game is like way off. Like 85% sounds about right. And like 85% Brad Marchand is still a great player. But yeah, I think we all know like that there is still another level there for him to get to. And, you know, look, it was a serious, pretty serious surgery. He had it was, you know, double hip surgery. Like that's, that's not, you know, that's not a small thing. So, yeah, um, I feel like in like say 10, 20 years ago, that's like the the way that um medical advancements are now that you're actually able to recover from that the way yeah. that he has, but like if that happens and you need double hip surgery 20 years ago, like you you're looking at maybe not being able to come back at all. So, um Yeah, or or you're going to come back and be like severely diminished for for a long period of time. Brian, did you did you think that that eighty five percent comment is something that you you would agree with? Yeah, I think you know when I watch Martian, it's not necessarily a lack of effort. It's more so I just noticed that his confidence isn't where it usually is, and to, I'm not sure if it's lingering from the offseason surgery or if it's something new that happened over the course of the season. Um, but for me personally, it's like, look, it we're we're in December, mid December, like. If Marshan's game isn't where it needs to be right now, because the team's winning, I'm okay with that. Um, it goes to show the depth they have, and I have the utmost confidence that come April, whether he's injured or not, or working through something or not, he'll he'll find it within himself to to make sure he's he's where he needs to be. And that's that's from a Bruins perspective, 
that's all that matters, right? Like regular season is great. Where are the guys in playoffs? And there's no doubt he's a gamer. I think, you know, despite having a couple of key goals last year against Carolina, I'm sure Marshan wish he had done more against Carolina. Now he did, you know, I mean, he had a great goal and I want to say it was game six, um, maybe even game five too. He had a couple of goals that sparked the team. Um, but for me, I'm not concerned about, about Brad in December. I'm concerned about him in April. And I think that if it's based off of lingering issues from his offseason surgery, I think that by April he'll be fine. If it's something new, um, a little bit more concerning, but at the same time, like I said, he'll he'll find a way to battle through. I think it's probably just lingering and him trying to find his confidence from from the offseason surgery and the time off and you know, blah, blah, blah. So um, I, 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 I agree with the assessment on the 85%, but I I don't think it's worrisome at this point. No, I think I thought just thought it was interesting because it hasn't been referenced like the injury part of it. And, and, you know, we kind of been like, okay, he's not a hundred percent, but what's, what's the deal. And then it kind of giving us a little bit of um, background to the fact that it, it, it is um, has, has to do at least partially with the injury. I want to talk about um, Bridget, Bridget real quick, even, even um, as it pertains to Bergeron, um, I think going into the Vegas game, I think they said on the broadcast that it was his first even strength goal, or maybe it was just his first goal in general in like eight games um, when he scored against Vegas. So even Bergeron's production has been down a little bit here and there. And um, we've talked about it on recent episodes where that line's five on five scoring hasn't been there. And it's not just, it's not just Brad. It's, you know, Bergeron's a little bit out of sync too. Um, obviously, obviously Jake got one uh, tonight, and may- maybe his was his five on five goal on that top line. I no, was it- he played almost yeah. exclusively on. Maybe yeah, that's even right. Exclusively on the second line, Hall, yeah. Zaka, DeBrusque. Um, yeah. But moving moving Pasternak back to the top line, the the so called perfection line. Um, Marshawn, well, at least coach said Marshawn and Pasternak, he liked how they were playing off each other, setting up each other, finding each other with passes today. So maybe putting Pasternak up there is a way to help Marshawn and Bergeron kind of get back in the swing of things and contributing on offense. I mean, and and in December, like we talked, or like I said earlier, like mid-December, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I obviously acknowledge that that Bergeron and Martian five on five aren't really lethal as we currently speak, but that doesn't mean that I'm losing confidence in them going forward, that they won't find that rhythm. And um, so I, I guess the reason I brought that up is because like I said, on the Vegas broadcast, they mentioned that it was Bergeron's first goal in eight games. And, you know, you guys mentioned that Brad's a little bit out of sync to five on five. And uh, so, you know, I'm acknowledging that, that that's a reality, but I just don't think it's necessarily their future. And, um, fortunately, because of their depth, they've been able to um, overcome that. Well, yeah, and they're still not giving up goals. Like, they've still been an elite line defensively. Bergeron, you know, probably running away with another Selkie. Like, I, I was looking through some of the – when we are having, like, the Allmark conversations, looking through, like, the other categories and the awards watches, and, like, whether it's, you know, just kind of, like, popular vote or the analytics, like, Bergeron's first in the Selkie race again. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they've still been a positive at five on five overall, even though they're not scoring much. So, you know, you'll take that, especially when, 
you have like a third line that's scoring the way it is, or recently you have Hall, Zaka, DeBrusque stepping up. Like you have the depth where you don't need that top line to be, you know, scoring off the charts right now. And if if and when that eventually comes, then like you're just talking about it an even more dangerous team than they already are. I, I want to talk about Derek Forbert, AKA the leading candidate for the Norris. Um, <laughs> so Derek Forbert's uh, AKA scorebert uh, scored a shorthanded goal today. And something that Scott and I were talking about up on the ninth floor is just the fact that he's one of the best penalty killers in the league. Um, he's only minus one on the penalty kill. He's only been on the ice for two goals against uh, and obviously gets a shorthanded goal. So uh, that puts him at minus one. Uh, the Bruins are 93% on the penalty kill when he's on the ice. He missed a few games. They were not um, up to standards. I think it was like 76% on the penalty kill without him. Uh, he's been able to make an impact in that way. Um, doesn't usually score, but it is the second goal of the season. Uh, what do you think of Forbert, how he played today? Uh, just, just thoughts on him. Well, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, go ahead, Scott. He, he had the net drive on the on DeBrusque's second goal, too. So, yeah, getting involved. Um, you know, it's funny, like, after the game, Montgomery was asked, you know, like, do you see him doing this, like, a little bit more? And he's like, well, his role, his role on the team isn't going to change. Like, he's not about to quarterback the power play anytime soon. That um, was kind of funny. <laughs> Derek Lindstrom out there. You know, but, like, when Forbert got drafted, he had some offense to his game. It, it really never translated at the NHL level, but it's not, you know, it's not like he was just like a defensive defenseman bruiser. Like that's all he does. Like, no, when he was coming out of North Dakota, like he, he was praised for his skating and his ability to get involved in the rush. So it's there, it, it, you know, it never jumped out at the NHL level. Um, but it's not like he, you know, yes, he's slower than some other Bruins defensemen for sure, but it's not like he's skating in quicksand out there. Like he, he can get involved and we've seen, we saw it a few times last year and now, you know, you see it on the shorthanded goal tonight. Like he has, a, he has a pretty good shot and you know, he just doesn't get to those areas all that much to like use it, but he's been able to, pick his spots and some chances he's had uh, when he's gone into the slot or, you know, below the dots. DeBrusque was joking about it or, or at least complimenting him, but laughing at the same time and said it was a snipe. And he, he liked the goal from, from Forbert. Uh, so, so yeah. And, and so when coach was talking about Forbert as well, he, he kind of like unpromptedly brought up Carlo in that same conversation about how he likes Carlo's offense and his, um, the way that he breaks out pucks and starts starts the offense from the back end. So I thought that was interesting as well to kind of hear what his thoughts were about Forbert and Carlo and how they handle um, the offense and what they contribute to the offense, considering those are two guys we don't talk about as very offensive players. Well, I, I think I think what Forbert offers that Carlo doesn't is that Forbert's got an ability to snap it off. Um Carlo doesn't really have that. Uh, you know, Scott mentioned Forbert last year. Um, I feel like a lot of 
Well, I mean, let's just say Forbert has, I'm just spitballing here. Let's just say he has like what, 10 goals as a Bruin in his career. Maybe, maybe that could be high or low. I don't, that's probably around 10. Probably I not even, I would guess. Let's call it. Let's call it 10, Scott, just for for uh, for, for statistical uh, measurements here. If he had 10, I feel like, you know, seven of them or six of them were him joining the rush and just snapping it off quickly, um, which he has, a, six. he has six, including playoffs or actually yeah. seven now, seven, including. Well, that kind of that kind of hinders my my argument for a second. So let's just say it's 10. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding all right fine so he has six all right i feel like i feel like at least half of those have been him joining the rush and just snapping not quickly he had one in philadelphia last year well he had that one two goal game yeah and that's, that's the right. one i'm referring that's the one i'm referring to i think it was in philadelphia last year where i know one was him joining the rush and I, I the only reason i bring it up is because i feel like he has a good hockey iq and um when it comes to him joining the rush he has an ability to Albeit based off of what you guys just said, six goals. I mean, it's not, it's nothing crazy, but as, as compared to somebody like Carlo, he can snap it off quicker than Carlo can. Uh, Carlo just doesn't have that quick release. I guess that Forbert does when he does have an opportunity on the rush. Um, But look, I mean, with, with Forbert, it's, it's, I I alluded to, I think he's a a high hockey IQ, but for him, I, I could care less if he scores a goal. Um, I'm not looking for that from him. And, and what he does outside of that, um, you know, he literally all, all almost s- had two goals today. Because he, if if Jake Bailey stick doesn't hit that, I mean, well, there's a Forbert might get it. I mean, obviously it's kind of a, a weird yeah. pass, kind of high, but hey, you know what? He could he almost had two goals. True, unfortunately, Crossing Josh the Bailey. Net. J- J- Jake Bailey was the crappy Patriots punter. Oh, J- Josh Bailey. Sorry. I think oh, I hopefully we never twice. have to see again. Holy That's smokes right. did he suck. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, um, he's gone. He's gone ski now. Well, this, this new guy's not any better, but anyways, no, that's, that's no. listen to the six rings podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, besides, I had to forget what I was saying now. Um, I do too, but <laughs> oh, crashing the net. He was crashing the net. He was jumping into the offense. He was literally on this, yeah. like going back door and he was, crashing towards the crease so he was trying he, to jump in the offense today he, he was he was but you know f- from my perspective i don't need Derek forward to score a goal um all season long be nice if he did but the bruins signed him for for a shutdown role um for for a penalty killing specialist role and he's played those roles magnificently um bridge i think you mentioned his minus one in the pk all year um so any goal that he scores that that, that scoreboard puts in the back of the net is just gravy for me um i i've really well grown it, an appreciation for him over the last uh call it i don't know 10 10 to 12 months uh i you know i think i think part of the reason i was hard on him early on was because of why they signed him and i just i just didn't agree with you know signing him to play alongside mcavoy i just thought it was a, a um a miss assignment i suppose to put it in in a a certain way it it wasn't what he's supposed to do he's not supposed to be a top top left defenseman um on a cup winning team or a cup contending team but but now that he's been slotted where he's supposed to be slotted i think he has been so valuable and uh instrumental to what the bruins do and yeah on a night like tonight where he scores a goal um possibly two as bridget mentioned 
it's just it's just all the better. But I I can't speak highly enough of of, of how he's played for the Bruins. Um, I really can't. He's he's been awesome. Um, and just one last thing that I have about the game before we want to get to a few quick NHL topics. Um, just to to hit on because some of them are important. Um, what do you think? So this is something that Montgomery was asked. What do you think about the fact that he always opts to go first in the shootout? He said, I always thought um, it was better to go second in the shootout, but the time that he did pick to go second, they didn't score any goals. And he said that his philosophy behind putting them, choosing to shoot first in the shootout is that if you get a goal to get the first goal, it's a huge mental advantage. And he thinks that that sparks other people's scoring sparks, the goaltending. Um, what do you think of that as an idea? Yeah. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I do think like the statistics bear out that the team that goes first wins more. So there definitely is something to that. And it's, I, I've got world cup fever. It's the same thing in soccer. Like every team that wins the coin flip in soccer chooses to go first. And I think it's the same, same sort of ideas. Like if you, if you get that first one, like it puts the pressure on the next shooter. Um, and you, I think you just tend to be the one with less pressure. Now, obviously like you could still get into a do or die situation where your guy has to score, but um, you give yourself a better chance to kind of set the tone. Yeah, I think um, what's this, was this the Bruins? What third shootout of the season? Second in the last couple of a uh, couple of games here. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, I don't, Scott mentioned it. The probability is there if you go first. So I'm not gonna, you know, dispute it too much. I think it's, I think it's one of those situations where when you go first and you lose, it's easy to sit there and say, Oh, come on, you know, put it in their court. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's shootouts. I, I remember when, when they first introduced them, uh, post lockout, I was like, Oh, this is fun. I quickly dislike them. Uh, it's just, I'm not a huge fan of them. I think they've lost their luster over the last handful of seasons uh, plus. And I'm not a fan of them. I, I'd rather the, the NHL find a way to just end the games in overtime, whether they go, you know, three on three for 10 minutes or something like that. Um, Still, I, in college hockey, I'm glad they went, went to the shootout, at least for conference games. Um because I cannot stand a tie sports with a tie. I just hate sports. Well, with it's, a tie. It's, it's like, it's, you know what they say? It's like kissing your sister, Bridget. Like nobody likes ties, but um, yeah, I, I, I hate ties too, but uh, I, I used do. to bitch about it at the end of every broadcast that ended in a tie. Be like, it's a tie. I, oh, Jesus. I just, Can we just have a shootout? I feel like it never NHL, bothered me, honestly. Like I, I don't That's because you're used to soccer. It, it doesn't well no i think even before i became a soccer fan like i didn't i didn't really care like when oh, the nhl first brought in shootouts it. i was like i if they if it ends on a tie it's fine like i well, can't do ties i can't me. do it i to, can't do it to your, to your point scott like i i never minded them either and if i'm being honest like i don't maybe i came across differently like a few minutes ago i don't mind them it's just like when the NHL first introduced them, it was a different time in, you know, in the league's history. Like I, I, they just came off a lockout. They were trying to find ways to get fans back into it. Well, Oh, let's do a shootout. And it was fun. It really was. But you know, we've had shootouts in the NHL for don't look now, but like 13 years. So 
it, it's kind of part of it's just natural where it's kind of gotten old because it's been around for a while at this point. And, you know, sometimes it's just annoying to watch a really good game. Okay, for example, the Bruins versus Vegas last week in Boston. Great game. Awesome game. To, to see that end in a shootout, it was just kind of like, I don't care if Vegas wins, but I'd like to see him win on a, on a goal. And um, so, I, look, it, it's 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 if you're asking me, it's not a big deal. I just I'm kind of over it at this point. Um, when asked about is it better to go first or last, I guess I'm just like, yeah, whatever, just go first. Um but yeah, it's the shootouts have kind of lost their their sexiness to me. Uh, it's kind of gotten old at this point. Well, by I the way, them. I think if uh, everyone loves three on three overtime, but I, I think even that's starting to shift. And I would bet within a couple years, like especially watching tonight, like thank you to Jim Montgomery and the Bruins for playing aggressively in three on three. Because there are a bunch of teams now that do what the Islanders do, and it sucks to watch. Like they just, yeah, they just hang like, on to the puck, take skate it back around in the circles, and like, it's it's like they're just waiting for like the perfect chance. And it's like, oh my god! Like it, teams like that are, are trying to ruin three on three overtime. Like they're trying to make it boring. Am I like the in the minority because I love three on three overtime? No, I I I do. That's what I'm saying. I love three on three overtime, but teams like the Islanders are going to ruin it playing the way that they're playing, and they're doing it because the the analytics tell them that like for them lower event hockey benefits them, so they're not trying to go up and down against a more talented team like the Bruins. So they they want to possess and hold on to it. But you end up with guys skating circles around the neutral zone, and it's yeah. not entertaining. And yeah, a, an, an example, an example of Scott's of Scott's point here is I was watching last night. I was watching the uh, the Rangers versus the Devils, and um, that game went to overtime. And what you saw was from the five minute mark of overtime, or I guess I should say maybe the zero mark of overtime, whatever, <laughs> whatever overtime started. Um, the Devils, so it was it was basically three and a half minutes straight of Jack Hughes, Dougie Hamilton, Jesper Bratt, um, who else would have been out there for the Devils? Whatever. Basically, like, they would enter the offense. Eric Hall of Famer. Oh, <laughs> exactly. That's that's funny. Uh, they, they would basically um, – you know they would enter Scott's the on ra- a roll tonight, by the way. Oh, uh, Scott's a fucking. I'm sorry. I know one of my listeners like the f bombs. Uh, Scott, Scott's a, Scott's a funny guy. Um, the Devils would enter the offensive zone, and then the second that they realized, all right, nothing's happening here, they would just regroup. And it was it was pretty much three and a half minutes of just regrouping, regrouping, regrouping. And eventually, what happened was they regrouped too many times. The Rangers got the puck, and then they scored in their first shot of overtime. So I think what Scott's saying is that I think teams are trying to abuse the three-on-three system and try to be a little bit more conservative because statistics say to hold on to the puck and have possession, which, look, if that's the case, that's fine, but it's not making for entertaining three-on-threes. Now, a lot of teams still do have entertaining three-on-three sessions, but some teams are electing to go a little bit more analytical and, and, and whatever. 